0: Hey Putnam, thanks for joining hey. us here on Lawyer Up.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, um, you know, we got we got back in touch recently uh, because you have uh, joined a team called Wise Up Texas, I believe. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a little more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, you know, I well, I know John from we're both attorneys, we're both Asian attorneys. We've kind of networked in the same circles um and i we we have a lot of i guess same interests um one of them probably being being a good citizen being politically active so
0: except uh, um you are a san antonio spurs fan i believe (laughs) and i'm a mavericks fan i and for folks listening from houston i have not defected the houston rockets i can't do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) no that's good i'm glad you didn't do that um but yeah i'm originally from san antonio um, lived in Dallas and Houston and um, Austin, so I've kind of covered the Texas map, but yes, Spurs forever. But um, I joined Wise Up Texas, which is a nonprofit, it's a 501c3, it's uh, homegrown here in Texas, um, started in Austin, uh, really kind of as a, a podcast, actually, five years ago, and a radio show Um, And the goal of Wise Up Texas is to get South Asians involved in politics and um, engaged as a citizenry and empowered, educated, um, active. And it's transformed from a podcast to a full social media platform Mm -hmm. and to in-person gatherings back when we were able to do that. Um, This past year, I um, helped host and manage the podcast We interviewed a ton of elected officials, um, including like U.S. Senate candidate MJ Hagar and U.S. Congresswoman Lizzie Fletcher, just really um, cool experience to interview a lot of people and give our listeners a chance to make informed uh, voting decisions.
0: That's great. I really uh, liked it and, you know, follow y'all to listen to some of the podcasts Um, I need to catch up. But I think it's great because you know, like you said, is non nonpartisan. Uh, really get you, and when it's nonpartisan, you can really get the feel of uh, understand who that poli- that candidate is, right? Their their guard is hopefully a little bit more down than normal, unlike a you know political ad you see on TV. But
1: um, yeah, and I think um, you know we did our best to get people on both sides of the aisle too. So there were some races that we actually cover the candidates on both sides. Um, and I tried to do my best to always extend invitations on, on both sides. So, um, and you can just tell by the tone of the interviews that I am conducting the interview in a nonpartisan fashion. And I think that's really important in this space we live in right now in politics, things are really polarized. And when you read the news or um, are trying to take in information, you're often bombarded and think, well, gosh, this seems so one-sided. So we're providing a kind of clear view to give people the chance to decide on their own.
0: And uh, I mean, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great start because there's so, many, there's so many issues to talk about, right? We don't, we, there's on one side, you know, one, one politician candidate could, could probably, you know, they're probably trying, they, unfortunately these days they're playing like identity politics, right? I think you and I agree that um, we we try to want stay away from that, and have you been able to like when you're in your interviewing uh, candidates been able to kind of ask in a more broad way?
1: Yeah I mean I, so one interesting thing I always ask candidates actually is what do you have to say to our listeners and followers who are predominantly South Asian um, that question. They always kind of know it's coming, but some of them seem to have a more natural answer for it than others. And some candidates are kind of caught off guard. I will be honest. I think some people are like, what is a South Asian and how is that different from an Asian? You know, like some people are still kind of understanding these things. Right. Um, And the question really isn't intended to say, well, for South Asians, I'm going to make sure that, you know, they get this special package. You know, that's not really the point of those questions. The point is to understand that we live in this diverse nation where your voters look like all different kinds of people, and so you need to be able to speak to people sincerely and honestly um, from all walks of life. And that's kind of what we're really like getting at with that question: is what do you have to say to your to your South Asian constituents, um, no matter really even rural districts, urban districts, you know, South Asians and Asians live all over the country Um, and so our question is just really it is a broad question it's not intended to kind of get them into identity politics in any way
0: great i'm glad you all do that um yeah that's in my mind it's um you know yeah like i said not like a special package but that they're more considerate of all communities right and they've considered south asians or east asians because i remember it had to been at least five plus years ago that an elderly South Asian person, he was just walking down the street in his neighborhood. And it was one of those like Karens that called the cops on him and he got beat up. And yeah. so one of those like, and I think it was, it could have been a North North Texas, Dallas area, but. Um,
1: yeah. You know, I remember I that story. It. And um, another, there was another one too, you know, just shortly after I think the 2016 election um that a uh, south asian man was sitting in a diner and a man came in and basically said like go back to where you're from or something of that sort and shot and killed oh, him wow. sort of super heinous Jeez. so yeah i mean that that has been a real reality in the last um four years is the uptick of hate crimes mm-hmm. um, towards the south asian and east asian community and a lot of other communities um, Something that I think people are expecting to change um, with this new administration, with greater leadership kind of um, helping to quell that type of
0: attitude. Right, which in a way it seems kind of strange because like, okay, these people who were, you know, now overtly acting this way the past four years are just gonna go back into their little little, little hole, I guess you can say, like, they're not gonna act like, I hope, I mean, I hope so. yeah
1: yeah like I don't think we can solve all those problems with one election but hopefully we can keep more people safe
0: Mm -hmm. for sure well so I know you've been um, always interested in politics but you know is there a particular reason why you've been more active it seems like recently in the past couple years yeah,
1: you know, it was interesting when you asked me that because um, I, in my mind, I've been politically active my whole life. But you know, those those moments do ebb and flow. Um, I was a political science undergrad major, um, went to Austin, UT Austin, and did a lot of lobbying at the Capitol, actually, on different issues: um, voter ID laws, um, human rights issues. Uh, so I've kind of always seen myself as very politically active. I will say like a legal career requires your 100% time and energy. And, um, I went to law school and then joined a corporate international law firm. I focus on employment law. Um, and I, I think in some ways I was kind of just an active citizen in my own, right. In the kind of four corners of my home in my life, but maybe had put down the microphone on that and didn't see myself as somebody that needed to um, talk about it as much. And I think a lot of that also has to do with, there's kind of this idea, like, should I talk about politics? That's one of those subjects, people don't want to touch that much. And you're kind of feeling out your space in the world and networking as a young lawyer, you don't want to alienate anyone. Um, but I've always been very active. My parents instilled the value of voting in me from a young age. And um, I am really glad to have found that my kind of place in all this again, um, before joining minds Up Texas, um, I, I want to say it was probably like 2017, that me and some friends just started blasting out emails to people saying, here's kind of what you can do today. We actually called it to-do list for America. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> Fun little campaign we started. Um, and then I started hosting campaign events too for candidates that I really cared about.
0: That's and, right.
1: Yeah, um, just kind of started recultivating that, those habits.
0: That's great uh, that you've invited people to your um, or host an event. Uh, I think I kind of did that when we had, when I lived back in Bishop, um, Bishop Arts District in Dallas uh, but it was more like an outdoor event pre pandemic actually it was like a race, so it got had uh, him had him you know have a chance to meet the neighbors basically so because I think these days, especially pandemic, people are just you know behind the camera, of course, so it just gives people more face time, yeah,
1: yeah, I did a virtual event um this time uh for a candidate, and it was it was still really fun, and people got to ask her questions and learn more about her um so you know i kind of it takes some work and it, it you have to ask people for money which is not an easy thing to do so you know you kind of ha- i don't i don't do it all the time but when i pick find a candidate that i'm really passionate about and i really want to give them that extra help then then i do that i've knocked on doors before too um you know so you kind of figure out what works for you i would say there's some things that i'm like oh i really don't want to help on the campaign with phone banking like i just really don't want to do it you don't have to torture yourself, like find, find different roles that work for you to get involved.
0: Absolutely. You know, I feel like the phone banking and canvassing going in person door to door. I feel like those are two toughest uh, tasks, I suppose, because I've done both as well. And then it's just trying to get a hold of that person. And like, Oh, click, but it's okay. I mean, just keep trying. Uh, you never know. You might meet get a couple more voters that normally would just stay at home. Right. Just, yeah, no,
1: I, it's awkward, honestly. I think that's why people don't want to do it. And I don't even normally talk on the phone anymore unless it's for work. So like, I don't want to be calling strangers. Um, But I have a friend who's like very persistent about it. And uh, she's had really great experiences. Like she's ended up talking to people that are genuinely like, oh yeah, actually I do have these quick questions on where I'm supposed to go. And she's Mm -hmm. able to Google it and help sort that out or say, I'll text you later with the answers. Um, she's actually in Georgia right now um, helping door to door. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's an attorney as well. So like, it, you know, a lot of people are, I think are feeling the the passion right now and getting really. Involved. Oh,
0: that's great to hear. She's um, extending her time that way. That's very nice of her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think with my, uh, with my household situation, having a baby, I have to have to do everything virtual as much as best I can.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then there wasn't as much door to door to do this year. You know, I think a lot of a lot of campaigns didn't even really go that route. So, um, but I, I kind of want to tell your listeners that there's easier and, and kind of like ways to get your foot in on this without being like, I have to host an event and I have to start going door to door. You know, I, I think the, the first thing to do is really take a moment and check who all your elected officials are they might've changed um, recently with an election. So, you know, just make sure you've kind of taken a moment put that on your like New Year's resolutions list to take a moment and, you know, double check who represents you in your state house and the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. And then your mayor, your city council and your district attorney are all really good people to kind of just make a list. And, you know, I, I'm, I say that very sincerely because I myself often will forget or I will, um have moved like I moved uh, a year and a half ago from not that far, but I didn't double check and I was like, oh, it turns out this person actually doesn't represent me anymore. I thought I thought they would, but they didn't. so check
0: yeah that's the a story. good that's a good point because you know've i it's two years now since I moved out of the two and a half years since I moved from Dallas, and now it's uh, at least half the council, more than half the council are different different faces, so you just never know and yeah some some positions like every two or four years um yeah
1: yeah some on. of them are every two years and they're changing and so take a minute and look to take a minute and double check your voter registration um and encourage your friends and family to do the same but that's really i mean th- that's kind of step one and then um in my opinion step two is like don't be shy um start getting in more of a habit of emailing and contacting your elected officials. Um, that's their job literally is to serve us and to hear from us and to address our needs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, now I come to think of it, at least for even judges, their email addresses are all on the website. So it's very easy to access them.
1: Yeah. And I, I think for those of us that have phone phobia <laughs> <and> <laughs> right behind a computer, um, the email thing is really easy. I, I actually, you know, this summer after George Floyd was murdered, I was kind of like, where do I even begin? And, and I say this sincerely as somebody who considers myself to be politically engaged, and um, I decided to email the mayor in the suburb where I live. I live in Bedford, mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, I'll just shoot him an email and kind of say, this is on my mind. I, I don't want Bedford to become the next city on the news for a fatality like this. Like what we're doing, um, sent an email, hit send. I tried to keep it professional and positive, you know, mm. as much as I felt like raging and ranting. Um, right. and he emailed me back like the next day, wow. back and forth for a couple of days, um, all that to say like I've had friends who've written US senators and then were so surprised that they got mm-hmm. a response. And I'm like, yeah, they do respond. It might not be exactly the letter you were looking for, right. They say, uh-huh. got it done, but they'll they're listening um, and we have to at least start with with that with engaging them.
0: Yeah, I remember last time I emailed a city councilman in Dallas, he, um, he was pretty quick, he was prompt. You know whether it was him specifically or you know his team it right it was very helpful to see a response in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, now those are great two great points. thanks for that. I guess I'll have to start going back to my mass email strategy, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know with your knowing that you're you know you practice employment law with for a yeah. corporation you know, is it important in some, to some extent to be cognizant of politics? And when I say politics, you know, it's not the identity politics, but just knowing like, let's say if a law gets passed or whatnot, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah. So I do, I'm I'm an employment lawyer. I'm a corporate employment lawyer. So I'm on the side of the companies and I'm helping companies understand federal, state, local laws and comply with them. Um, I don't know if people realize the law is changing all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, whether, and, and you probably have heard it in um, campaign speeches, you know, where people will say um, whether it's raising wages or getting more paid sick leave or uh, marijuana legalization has been a big one. Um, that has an effect obviously on the workplace and, and how we um, handle things at work. So, um you know a lot of employers i always i always am kind of um i'm always one to say a lot of employers are actually staying on this and doing a good job like uh, most employers want to get this right so they're following the law trying to figure out the law the law is changing quickly though and it certainly doesn't hurt for employees to understand what is happening uh what's in the pipeline and and when elected officials are saying i'm going to raise the minimum wage and, and that's something of importance to you. That's the kind of thing you want to hold them accountable on, you know, is, is um, in writing your elected officials about those issues that they promised you.
0: That's true. Well, you definitely are in your position. You definitely want your employer to com- comply because we know plaintiff's lawyers that will take on those cases.
1: That's right. And I mean, there's, there's, it's, you know, most large companies, they're not going to get a hundred percent. Right. You know, there's, there's going to be times when, um, especially cause there's individual actors involved. So mm-hmm. especially when it comes to harassment or discrimination, um, we'll do the training all the time, but if there's an individual, um, boss or somebody who's harassing their, their employees, you know, that those issues have to come to light for them to get resolved. Um,
0: right,
1: right. but yeah, I, I think, I think employment law is just one area where the law is always changing. Mm-hmm. And it makes it exciting for me. I really enjoy keeping up with the law.
0: Keep you on your toes, just like me yeah. the past four yeah. years.
1: Oh, yeah. I think you more than me, but yeah.
0: Um, you touched on this, but are there other useful and practical ways to keep an elected official accountable?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, social media might be an easy one. John and I were talking about this before we uh, kind of got going here, and I, I'm, I I have a lot of pros and cons when I think about social media. But Wise of Texas, for example, is a social media platform. Um, There are other really great social media platforms that will kind of tell you, here's what you need to know and here's who you can reach out to, to to let them know. Um, And then following your elected officials on social media is a great way to see what they're up to, to see what bills they're passing, um, to see kind of what their position is on different issues. Um, or, you know, say you look at their social media and they've been silent on something. Right. That tells you a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can reach out to them and say, you've been silent on this. I'm expecting you as a public figure to take a position or, you know, urge people to do X, Y, and Z as a leader. So, um, there's just so much opportunity that's right at your fingertips, literally. Cause I know mm-hmm. you phone all the time.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I <laughs>
1: So that's an easy one. Um, that's low hanging fruit for sure. Um, and, and I, I, think just overcoming that barrier of it's going to take me forever to do this. It really won't take you that long. Um, there's also a lot of organizations like Indivisible, um, Texas Organizing Project comes to mind, um, Texas Rights Project, like find an organization and subscribe to their newsletter and get more educated that way um, on issues that are going on, especially if you find a cause that's important to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, because those organizations are, could, you know, depending what you pick, but, um, could be advocating for a cause that you care about. So, yeah, they could be, um, your voice can add to that organization for sure.
1: Yeah. And they, they might let you know, you know, cause otherwise you, you've got a thousand things going on in your own life and, um, they might be the ones to let you know, hey, this important bill is being discussed, right? Like the COVID-19 stuff that's been going on on the stimulus bill. Like not everyone has time to keep track of it and that's okay. Like let someone else do some of that work for you.
0: Well, talking about stimulus and PPP, there's plenty of YouTube YouTubers talking about that. So, so sometimes yeah. just be careful who you're listening to because they might not know the accurate information unfortunately
1: yeah no that's a great point we should we should always, we should always say that on every podcast or recording right
0: always vet your news source even us please Mm -hmm. Um, but moving on um, you know with a lot of DEI diversity equity inclusion talk this past really after George Floyd's murder murder, um, I think people are assuming uh, that the Biden administration is going to Um, to take a more proactive role and it it does appear that way so far with his cabinet choices Um, but can you explain and with your um, with your experience with politics why DEI or at least um, yeah why DEI is important in the political landscape
1: yeah so um, I'll start off by just saying DEI is you know diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's such a heavy lift when you really think about what each of those words mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because DEI has been a passion of mine in the legal field for a long time. Um, I've always been involved in DEI initiatives and kind of helping the diversity of the legal field, which quite frankly is still a very much white male dominated industry.
0: Yes.
1: Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that message has been like, very strongly portrayed across corporate America. You know, if you look at the huge companies, they've all been kind of striving for DEI over the years. Um, what's weird, I guess, is that politics seemed left out in a way of that conversation or the pressure didn't hit politics. It was very much in this kind of capitalistic, consumeristic world that diversity became the big topic. But of course, it's most important where our leadership lies that we see diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, Because how can we expect our leaders to resolve really complicated problems like all of the issues that resulted in the murder of George Floyd um, if they don't have a variety of lived experiences and communities to draw from? Um, So we really need to see more diverse people and diverse ideas to come up with solutions to some of these problems. Um, And I'll just say, you know, an example of that, like you hear so much about the word community policing, you know, that's really about looking at the community and saying the community and, and how it is diverse and the way it is represented should be part of the decision on how to police it. You could extrapolate that and say for the government, like, why would we have a government that doesn't look like the community and that doesn't represent the community.
0: Right. No, that's a great point because even like you know we have the um, the separation powers in the state and the, the federal government. That that's a good point about the specific neighborhood or community with policing. I mean, every corner could be different and how the, how things happen. So especially with my line of work and trying to get people who are victims to testify and come forward with their, with what happened, you know, this, with uh, testimony, their storytelling. So yeah, a lot yeah. of people, especially during pandemic have, who are victims of abuse, whether it's a relationship or non-relationship situation, they've been more uh, isolated.
1: Yeah, no, I, that, I know. I mean, it's tragic that there's been such an uptick of family violence and abuse um, during the pandemic. And um I think you're absolutely right. Like it's, it's understanding dynamics in the community. Um, like why is that happening and how can we address it? But if you live in a bubble where you just don't know that that is a lived experience of so many people, then you can't really address it. So it kind of comes back to awareness. One thing we can do is just keep calling our elected officials, right? Like a white represents me. I can call him and tell him, here's what I see in the community. But, um, another thing is just getting more people in these seats at the table, um, who come from different places to talk about their experience.
0: Now you were talking about the special package earlier. Um, now with Kamala Harris, you know, being South Asian and also African-American descent, is there a particular cause or concern that you believe maybe, I know you're not speaking on behalf of the entire South Asian population, (laughs) but you know, um, that at least through your your podcast, your interviews, is there like a almost a collective um, cause that's or concern for South Asians?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a good it's a good question, and quite frankly, is one that I think even pundits are still scratching their head about because what we saw with the 2018 and the 2020 elections is that South Asians and really the Asian community broadly, but South Asians too are. Becoming a voting um, base, like there's a lot of people voting, they could tip elections. I think there was there was just a New York Times article that said, you know, they could tip elections, but which way? So they're a voting base, but not a voting block. They they really don't vote in any homogenous kind of way. A lot like what we see with the Latino voters. Right. I think that's true for most minority voting blocks, right? With the exception of Black Americans, who are consistently Democratic voters and and you know very strong in that through history mm-hmm. um, the other minority community that i can think of um tends to split in many different directions but i will say there are some issues um i, I think it's it, it's the stuff that really ends up being the nonpartisan stuff so education with which you know both sides will say they are working towards health care um mm-hmm. which Sides will say they're working towards. You really have to do your homework there. Um, and- I see what saying. <laughs> yeah, um, You know, those are kind of two really big ones and economic opportunity that just that whole concept of achieving that American dream upward mobility. Um, and then I will say kind of to the work you do, John, and, and I know, you know, it's been a passion of mine um, is domestic violence in the South Asian community and bringing that to light and um, helping those survivors. Um, I think you know Biden is is kind of the one of the main people behind the Violence Against Women's Act and hopefully issues like that can get um, mm-hmm. more attention. Um, and I I don't hear about this very much, but immigration a, a legal pathway to immigration for a lot of South Asian families is really important because people will come here on a work visa and stay here for 15, 20 years, maybe raise a family, maybe even have kids that are born here, um, and then never really have that pathway to citizenship and might have to leave at any given time. I almost think of those kids as like dreamer type kids.
0: Right. They are for sure.
1: Um, Six months old or something. And, you know, your mom job here, but you don't know how long you'll get to live here. I mean, that's, that's bizarre.
0: Which by the way, since you work for a corporation, um, you know, for folks who are from India and China and other very populated countries, you know, they they have a longer wait time and especially for India, because there's a good amount of folks that, um, for H1B, you know, when they're yeah. starting out with a job in America, it's. Uh, I advise my employer clients to, if they are even considering to sponsor, for the residency to do that early on to to save that time, as much as possible. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's I, not something I've honestly dealt that with that much in my practice, but it's something that um, being a South Asian lawyer, that's one of the things people will ping me about, being like, "Hey, can you tell me what I should do about this?" And and this extent, it's like. Oh, there's not really a lot of good answers right
0: now. Well, I was chuckling also because uh, you know that it's like that first day you become a lawyer; people will start asking <laughs> you all these questions that you're not familiar with, right? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, that's right. So.
0: Oh, and there there's, the, there's my dog Ralph. <clears throat> <laughs> he tries to be a tough guy. Well, <laughs> the last question I like to wrap up with is about uh, back to um, uh, campaigning in terms of you know in both of our fields it's it's still important to know who your judicial candidate is you mentioned that earlier um that you were going to at least with wise up texas you're going to interview some judicial candidates or i mean not candidates but current judges presiding yeah. judges and i you know even when in my neighborhood in dallas i remember some people asking me like what do i consider when uh, when vetting these judges and so do you have some thought on that
1: Yeah. um, So I think that a lot of people, when they get to their ballot and the judges come up, they're like, I don't know anything about this. And a lot of those maybe get left blank. Uh, Maybe you're just guessing. Maybe you go by party line. Um, It's maybe worth noting, you know, in Texas, we elect these folks. That's not true everywhere. Um, And federal judges are appointed, whereas, um, you know, our state judges are, are elected. So Um, you know, I, I, my personal opinion, because I am a litigator at heart. So the cases that I handle, I'm, I'm doing mostly prevention these days, but stuff that I handle could go to court and you want your judges to be really experienced and actually good lawyers. So I would say really look at their resume. I mean, if they've done real work in the courtroom, then they will tell you if they are omitting trial experience and they're not explaining that they used to actually practice law, then um, you could literally be, be putting somebody on the bench that's never stepped in the courtroom as a lawyer. Um, and that happens quite often. Um, and you're I right. don't right. know that those people are the most qualified for the job, regardless of whether they're Republicans or Democrats.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, you know, there, there are positions I don't vote Democrat. I have to vote the other, the other side because the let's, and it, it could be Republican candidate as well, but uh, I've noticed that some people don't have that experience in that particular field, for example. Um, so yeah, that's very important to at least research that point. At least yeah. for me, I also mentioned like, you know, if they, if it's one other factor that they could, con- people can consider is, you know, if they give back to the community somehow, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's apples to apples pretty much with experience wise,
1: That's a great point. Yeah. If they've actually been working in the community and talking to people and care. I mean, you want somebody on the bench that has a broad perspective. They're going to be looking at every case individually. That's really what their job is. Um, But, you know, you want somebody that cares about the community. And I I think the other um, the other thing just to consider, like just being very honest about Texas is, um, you know, we, we have a Texas Supreme Court that's been all one party for quite some time. Um, we have Texas State House that's dominated by one party and a governor that's one party. So it's like a trifecta of one party. That's not a checks and balances situation. Um, and there are times when you really need a checks and balances. So, you know, I, I, I straight party voting, if that's exactly how you feel, that's obviously fine. But if you can take the time and study your ballot, um, go to leagueofwomenvoters.com. They really break down the ballots really well. And um, next time you're voting, you know, consider looking at the candidates and figuring out what makes the most sense. But if we can stop having all of one party, um, that's always going to be a good thing, right? That's diversity of, that's important.
0: Um, Right, right. Well, I, preferably, in my opinion, I think, at least for judicial races, there should not be a Identity party politics or a party associate with it?
1: Yeah, I think um, there. I I've used to be pretty strong in that opinion. That why do we even have elected judges? It's it's a mess. Um, I'm kind of confused on it now because at least it's a democratic process, and and you know it's not just friends appointing friends. But for right. office takes a ton of money and resources and time. And that's all time and money that you're not able to give back to the community as a leader. Right. Um, so, yeah, I kind of see it a little bit as a, a rat race. I hate to use that phrase for our judges, because yeah, yeah. but, but it's a lot of uh,
0: time right. and money. Well, you know, in. I believe in California, it's like an open, open election. So it's not segmented off like in Texas We're in California, you know, in one particular ballot, you can vote for Republican or Democrat for the primary. I mean,
1: that's cool. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, you can even run like city council positions are nonpartisan um, races. So technically, um, although you know, you kind of often know where people lie, um, mm-hmm. have some nonpartisan candidacies where people are on both. The Democratic and the Prime, you know, Republican ballot. Um, that could be a good way to resolve it. But I think people look at judges and they're like, "That's not really important to me." But it is, especially if you've gotten impassioned about criminal justice over the last um, year. You know, the Criminal Court of Appeals in Texas is like the Supreme Court for criminal issues, mm-hmm. and it's really important that you kind of pay attention and see who our criminal court judges are.
0: Absolutely. I feel like based on the information, my neighbors or friends have told me, they're like, by the time they get to the judicial part, it's like, they're just done with it. You know,
1: yeah. especially in Texas,
0: I think this is the first year that, or last year, 2020 was the first year that, um, there's no more straight party.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I think even lawyers, um, like who aren't courtroom lawyers. Like, I, I don't know these judges. Like people kind of think I'm going to just know everybody and can tell them who to vote for Like I, it's true. You have to go out of your way to kind of learn and educate yourself. But um, I think it's important and worthwhile.
0: Well, Panam, we could probably extend this, this interview for a couple more hours, but I just want to share a a snippet of your experience, your observations with our audience. So thank you so much for your time. I know it's uh, quite busy, even though, even though it's remote,
1: yeah, no, thank you for having me, and um, I I will just say because I didn't say this when you asked me about Kamala Harris that um, that that fact that we will have the first woman vice president and the fact that she is um, South Asian and Black American is in, insanely awesome. Um, I am blown away. I did not think that would happen in my lifetime. And um, when you hear her talk about her immigrant parents and her mother Shyamala and her story and you see pictures of her in traditional, you know, Indian clothes. I mean, it it is mind blowing to me that we we have somebody like her as as our vice president. So, um, I will say regardless of party, I think that is a really interesting and exciting moment in history. And
0: Absolutely. And actually um, along those lines, you know, you being a Spurs fan, I think it was just uh, this week or last week, Becky Hammond just make, made her first appearance as a, you know, as a coach for the Spurs.
1: Yeah. Popovich, as everybody knows, is just epic as a human. Um, and if you're into politics uh, he's been very fun to follow, especially the last four years, because he's got strong opinions on Donald Trump. But yeah, he's also a feminist and um, knows that women can be talented at everything and including men's professional basketball. So excited for that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great to see um, her leading the breaking barriers there on yeah. the NBA sideline. Well, Anyways, thank you for your time and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, John.
0: Bye-bye.